Oh, yes indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like is a flashlight a case for holding dead batteries? Hi America, hello world, my name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. Wow. The walls are getting thinner. It never used to be that loud. <laughs> Either that or my mother's adenoids need looking at. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights, and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me start by introducing tonight's guests. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather hates scoring negative numbers and will stop at nothing to avoid them. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> I love this show. I love oh, this show. This is a joy, isn't it? I also wish to introduce for the first time or more questions and answers Bob Gilbert. Bob is an author with Calumet Editions. He was raised in New Jersey and worked for many years as a reporter in the Twin Cities. He now works in Washington, D.C. and has just published the fictional ghost story, The Shady Elders of Zion. Bob realized this week that he gets enough exercise just by pushing his luck. Welcome to the show. <laughs> nice to be here. This is what you're going to get on this show, ultimately. Well, July the 4th has come and gone, but thoughts of it still linger. I held a firework in my hand, as anyone seen my finger. I hope everyone had a fabulous <laughs> July the 4th. This is Series 2, Episode 69. 69 is a glorious and wondrous number. It was, of course, the number Bill and Ted were thinking of 
when talking to themselves in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. This week, a woman broke into Keanu Reeves' home at 4am. By 11am, she still didn't understand the plot of The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> 69 was the year that Brian Adams got his first real six-string. Two prisoners were waiting to be executed and the jailer asked if they had any last requests. Yes, replied the first prisoner, I love music. So before I die, can you play Everything I Do by Brian Adams? The second prisoner then asked if he could be killed first. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a joy, isn't it? I love reading out each and every week your mailbag. I love reading all your posts and all your comments. On Facebook, Jeff in Milwaukee posted, Thanks for the reminder. I'm in the hardware store. Then took a picture of himself with earbuds in. This is a joy. Every time we do a show on Twitter, on Facebook, I put out there that we're due to do a show like 10 minutes away. Show starting soon. More questions than answers. And Jeff was in the hardware store in Milwaukee. He got a reminder, he plugged in his earbuds and started listening to the show and was probably laughing as he was going through the checkout deal. That's just fantastic. We could only hope. I want everyone who's listening to this show at the moment to take a picture of themselves listening to the show. So if you go to our Facebook wall, if you do it now, Heather's nodding her head. No, I'm not nodding my head. I'm shaking my head from side to side thinking thinking maybe not. There's going to be what, nudity? It could happen. It could happen. I'm thinking of (laughs) Kathy in Minnesota at this moment in time. (laughs) <laughs> i think people if you want to take a picture of yourself listening to the show i know we have listeners all over the world brazil australia britain france if you take a picture of yourself listening to the show right now post it on our facebook wall that would be wondrous michelle in new york has written i love this show can i have two points again please i'm feeling in a very philanthropic mood so michelle will have two points but i can easily take those away again jonas in california added Do you remember, before I say this out, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were reflecting on all the funny things that have happened in this show over the last three years. It was episode 100. Do you remember? Yes. One of the things that was mentioned is that people all over the world, including Tanya, who listens in Australia, has started to use the term launching a sewer pickle. Do you remember we had a story where I said launching a sewer pickle? Yes. And everyone thought this was very funny. Uh (laughs) My ambition is now to get everyone in the world to say launching a sewer pickle when they're going to visit the smallest room in the house. So Jonas in California has taken on board this advice. He said, just drop the term sewer pickle and it nearly killed my roommate from laughter. Definitely a new term that I will use in my vocabulary from now on in. Thanks, Adrian. I feel as if I'm contributing to the vernacular of this great nation. It's the least I can do after everyone has asked an Englishman to have a great 4th of July. So a great big number two for Jonas. He is now tied with Michelle in the lead. Thanks to Kathy as well in Minnesota who gave me a fabulous t-shirt covered in squirrels this week. It's always a joy when people write in and send me fabulous gifts. Um, she has sent me, I will take a picture of me wearing this. We'll put it on our website, on our Facebook site. And pants too, right? No, just the t-shirt, nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the squirrel. And some nuts. <laughs> That's where we're going. <laughs> I'll set them up, you knock them out the park. <laughs> this is true. See, Bob, we're well looked after on more questions than answers. Finally, Kevin in Britain saw my picture on our Facebook wall this week and said, do you ever smile? The answer to this is yes, when I'm taking Heather's points away. She's on minus two. (laughs) 
Now, before we jump in with tonight's show, I just want to talk to Bob a little bit about his book and what he's got coming up over the next few weeks. You've written a book that is a ghost fictional story. It's set in Minnesota. One of the things I was impressed about with your book was the fact that all the paranormal detail in there, even though that's fictional, actually sounded exactly like my experiences of the paranormal world. So one of the first things I wanted to ask you was how did you get that so accurate? Do you have psychic skills? Do you know a lot of psychic friends? Do you go on ghost hunts? It's one of the few books I've read where the psychic and the ghost aspect of it chimes exactly with my experiences as a paranormal investigator and that's very rare. So how did you come up with that? Um, I stole a lot of it from Homer. I see. From Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad. Oh, there was me thinking Homer Simpson. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah, most people do. But in the Iliad and the Odyssey, one thing that's interesting about those two ancient novels is the interaction between the ghosts or um, the gods and sure. mortals. And um, that laid the groundwork for my understanding of the spirit world. Also, I'm a student of the I Ching, and the I Ching is uh, older than the Bible. And... Um, you can actually fortune tell with this. This is a way yes, of divination, yes. isn't it? Tell yes. our listeners a little bit more about this process if they've not heard of this. How would you describe that? Well, it's um, an ancient text and involves a lot of reading, but it was formulated by Confucius and codified by Lao Tzu, who are two Asian heavyweights. And um, it's come down through the years, and it's one of those books that was written long ago in Sanskrit, and every generation finds something valuable in the book that reflects the values of their time. Um, probably the most famous edition is the one written by Richard Wilhelm in the late 30s, and it was famous because Carl Jung, the famous Swiss, Swiss psychologist, yes. wrote the foreword to it. Right. And um, he later um, wrote a book called Synchronicity, which I think is a term that most people have heard of, even yeah. if it's only because they're Sting fans. Sure. And, um, <laughs> There's not many of them knocking around anymore, I can yeah, tell you. But it's about meaningful coincidence. You ask the oracle a question, and it gives you a very precise answer. And you can read a copy of the I Ching, and it can make no sense. But it's one of those books that have been translated over the years by a 100 different people. And personally, I have over 45 different translations of it, some by women, some by Asians, some by Americans, some by Brits, some by Germans. And if you ask the I Ching a question and it doesn't make any sense, I merely go to a different um, translation. Right. And sometimes what makes no sense from one guy makes perfect sense from another. And it's interesting because a lot of people, the older editions were filled with fear and chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, like you'd, some of the terrible hexagrams that you get is like number 23, which is splitting apart. Or 21, which is punishment. And um, they're very judgmental and they're very fear-oriented. But the more recent translations um, are very new age. There's a lot of love energy. There's right. a lot of spirituality. This is what we need at the moment, isn't it, in a globalization? It, it does. And it's one of those books that transcends religion, um, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, and bases its tenets on principles that all those religions are based upon but they're not parochial or provincial or sectarian. And that's why I like it. 
The interesting thing is that you come across there as, as mentioning Confucius, as mentioning other great people there throughout history. Um, it doesn't come across as that kind of book. It's very funny. There's lots of moments of laughter. It's not a heavy book, is it? Where you, you mention all those people influencing your work. And I don't want people to be put off of this text on the back of the fact that you've mentioned all those heavyweights. Because the book isn't like that. When I read that, I thought it was a cross between the Cohen brothers because it's set in Minnesota and it's very dark and has that edgy comedy. And Twin Peaks, it seemed like the perfect marriage of the two. Now, I believe you must have lived in Minnesota to have even come up with this. You must have spent time here like me because some of the things you've spoken about, I actually recognize as living in Minnesota for the last seven years. The reason you probably recognize it is because you're from England and I was born and raised in New Jersey. So when you come from another place, um, you're more aware of the culture of Minnesota than many Minnesotans are. And it's quirks and um, idiosyncrasies kind of jump out at you where if you're born and raised here, it's just normal. So um, I lived in Minnesota for 28 years. I currently live in Washington, D.C., but it made a deep impression on me because the culture that I grew up with in New Jersey was very different from Minnesota. And here's one way it manifests itself. When you're a Jersey boy, you pride yourself on your strong opinions and putting it in people's face. Mm -hmm. And there's this dialectical back and forth where you state something, he states something, and there's a lot of bluster and baloney involved. Yep. And you kind of reach some kind of understanding after a while. Well, when I came to Minnesota and I tried my Jersey shtick, for lack of a word, yeah. it went over like a lead balloon. And so I had to learn to um, change my behavior and my demeanor. And it bothered me in a sense because I felt like I was editing out the best part of my personality. But... Minnesota has a lot of virtue, and so I don't want to paint a picture where sure. it's a bad place to be because it's very ethical. Um, I raised three kids here, and when you raise three kids in Minnesota, you're assured of three things. They'll have a good work ethic, they'll be well-educated, and they won't be full of crap because no one in Minnesota is full of crap because they're from Minnesota. I have read that people around the states have employed people from Minnesota just on the back of the fact that they think they work hard. They, and I think it's true. Like, I'm living in Washington, D.C. right now, and when Minnesota kids go to the East Coast, they're rock stars. They just yeah. have a better work ethic, and they're smarter. And um, employers jump at hiring people from Minnesota and the Midwest. Sure. It's uh, a different culture, but it's a good culture. It's very interesting that you said I'm foreign, so I get it. I was amazed that you don't put numbers on your coins in this country. I have a handful of change right now. People can look at the coins in their pockets at this very moment in time. There's not a single number on any of your coins. So when I first arrived here, I have no idea what I've got in my hand. <laughs> and one of them's got one dime written on it. So I'm thinking, well, that's got to be worth a one then, because someone's written one on it. Do you see what I mean? And it's not until I point this out to people that Americans don't realize there's no numbers on your coins. Surely when you've asked a graphic designer to design a coin, what's on their list of things they've got to include? Firstly, the first one's got to be the denomination and how much it's worth. So I find that remarkable. And when I point that out to people, they don't believe me. And they start looking through their coins and they say, you're right, there's not a single number on any of these coins. There's one that says it's a quarter. Well, a quarter of what? I have no idea. It's very confusing for the foreigner, so I can understand where that would come from. I know authors hate being asked this question, but just give me a brief synopsis of what the book's about, because people are going to be interested to know now as to what you've got in there based on what you've just described. It's a Minnesota Jewish ghost story. 
there's hundreds of those. What's, what's, why have you done something different? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about a man. Ivan Kalinsky has just died, and he's um, part of the class of 1917 Bolsheviks who came al- along with people like Lenin and Trotsky, and um, he's actually Trotsky's nephew, and Zinoviev and Kev- Kamenev and all those Bolshevik heavyweights. And when Stalin started purging the Communist Party of Jews in 1930s, um, Kalinsky was working at the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., and he was called back to Moscow, and he knew a bullet awaited him. So he escaped to Minnesota under the sponsorship of Gus Hall, who is the head of the um, American Communist Party and lived in Cherry, Minnesota. And Gus Hall saved him from the Stalinist assassins and set him up with a life in northern Minnesota. And um, he lived out a very long life. He lived past 100. And um, Well, he comes back, doesn't he? He's not dead. The opening line, tell people the opening line oh, to your book. Uh, I'll read the first graph. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. We've got an author reading his own text. This is just a joy, isn't it? It's a great day to be dead. On this March afternoon in Hibbing, Minnesota, the air is cold, a mere 19 degrees beneath a blue sky. The wind blows strong, but here inside, it's warm. I'm at a funeral home for this great wake, and it's all for me, too. The people I knew on this frozen prairie, the iron men and women of the Masabi Range, have turned out in mass to celebrate my life and the mood is joyous. If you didn't know better, you'd mistake me for an Irishman. This is fantastic. I love this book. People should <laughs> definitely read this book. It's the closest I've come to a fictional ghost story where the paranormal is actually how I know it to be as a paranormal investigator. I will actually post this book on our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee, so people can go to look at that. Where can people get this book? If they want to buy this book now, where do they need to go? Basically online. Um, Kindle, Amazon.com. Amazon sells 80% of the books in America anyway. And so uh, that's the best place and the fastest place to find it. And you can get it in book form or you can get it for um, a Kindle or a... What are the the other things they call? There's all kinds of platforms to get these books on. Now, I like smelling the glue and smelling the the alcohol. Have something in in your hand. Absolutely, me too. I would agree with that. You like sniffing glue. I do. That's what you just said. Bob's glue. (laughs) (laughs) i'm not prejudiced (laughs) see where we are have you seen a ghost let's just throw that straight out there have you seen a ghost yes i have you have what was that like um a little harrowing at first but um it was a friendly ghost. Yeah, they, most of them are. If you're <laughs> yeah. an idiot when you're alive, you're going to be an idiot when you're dead is normally my experience of things. Now, I hope you don't mind. I took you out this afternoon. We went to a haunted basement. We did. In a block in Jackson, in Jackson County. And we got all the equipment out because I wanted to show Bob some of the ghost hunting equipment that he's not familiar with. And I wanted him to experience some of the things that I experience when I'm on my paranormal investigations. And I spoke to you a little earlier about this and you don't mind me bringing bringing this up, but we were running a ghost box at the time and people that listen to the show regularly will know how that works because we often play EVPs and we play audio that we get from the ghost box. I also had a thermal imaging camera that I was using at the time. We had a K2 meter sat on the floor measuring electrical magnetic fields. And we turned on the ghost box and the first thing it shouted out was Bob. And it shouted out that a couple of times. So it got your attention. It was somebody that wanted to talk to you. 
And my experience of ghosts and spirits is they know you're going to do an investigation. They know you're going to turn this equipment on. So they follow us. They spend time with us. And it's not a surprise when we turn that on that we get them come through straight away. But what was very interesting is I then asked who was there. And the person said, Andy, so this is someone that you know. Do you want me to, do you want to talk a little bit about how, what that means to you? It meant a lot. He was a good friend of mine, and um, he was a chef who owned a restaurant that I worked at. And um, he died of a brain tumor about five years ago. Uh, he had a brain tumor. He had a, um, an operation to remove it. It grew back. They removed it a second time. It grew back a third time, and he passed. And so I don't know many friends who have passed yet. Not that old yet, although I'm getting close. <laughs> and so it was very nice to hear from Andy. And one thing that um, I thought was very interesting, I said, I'm going to tell Kirsten, who is his widow, that we communicated. And he said, no, please don't. And so that's kind of like him, you know. And um, In terms of the fact that she, she's moved on now, this was Well, I, I don't think or... she's moved on, but I think um, by asking me not to reveal this to her, he didn't want to draw her back to him. Sure. So I thought it was very nice of him to do that. Am I right in thinking that before we arrived to do that brief investigation there, you put the intention out that you wanted to chat with Andy? Is that correct? Well, I, I'm in Minnesota for a week, and he's the closest friend I have in Minnesota who has died recently, so it made perfect sense to me. What was interesting about the time I spent with you in that basement was not only were we getting really interesting stimulus and response evidence coming through on the ghost box, but the K2 meter on the floor spent the first half an hour doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, in terms of our responses, it was just spiking up into the red. It was measuring the energy that Andy had brought with him into the room in terms of electrical magnetic fields. And what was also very interesting was on the thermal imaging camera, next to you on your right-hand side, when you started to engage and have a dialogue with him, the old area there just went blue. It went cold. You can almost see him standing next to you. And I said, put your arm out and you can put your hand through him. What did that feel like? I mean, you put your hand through a ghost at that moment. It felt cold. But what I really appreciated about the experience is that you know i studied with psychics over the years and i believe in that stuff but with your machines we had empirical proof that yes there was an entity there we saw the camera picture of him we saw the temperature drop when he came closer to me and so i have a lot of very skeptical friends that i'm going to see tomorrow and they're going to raise their eyebrows when i tell them the story but then Adrian has promised to uh, send me some of those, some of that information. <laughs> so it's like, look, here it is right here in black and white. And how can you deny that? That is very true. This was a fabulous experience. Very touching, actually. I'm glad we had an opportunity. I got a lot out of that as well, you know, giving you an opportunity to have contact with him. And uh, that was just a joy. I really enjoyed spending my afternoon with you. So once more, if you give your title of the book and where people can find that. Shady Elders of Zion by Calumet Editions, uh, written by Bob Gilbert, and you can get it on Amazon. And I would highly recommend that. We have a show. This is more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. If you wish to talk to me at any time tonight, you can go to our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Well, all tonight's stories and much, much more is there for you in glorious Technicolor. All of the photographs, all of the videos and stories we couldn't read out tonight due to time restraints if you wish to contact me on my twitter account it's adrian underscore lee 
underscore tips, that's T-I-P-S for the International Paranormal Society. We have 85,000 followers on there. So many thanks to all of the people that are following us and what we do on Twitter. If you wish to go to YouTube, we have a YouTube account where many outtakes of the show are on that particular channel. They're very funny, I've been told. Again, more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. We have 35,000 hits at the moment on SoundCloud. All of our shows are archived over the last three years. You can access those on there. If you go to soundcloud.com and search for MQTA Radio, and we're on many, many other platforms, including Stitcher and iTunes, so you have no excuse not to find us somewhere on the net. We are going to run into the first round of the evening. Jonas and Michelle are both on two points each. The rest of us are yet to score. This is the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. Spooky footage has emerged online showing a child's toy appearing to move, an act of its own accord in the middle of the night. The eerie clip was captured by an infrared monitor, presumably used to keep an eye on the small child also in the room. But instead, it apparently filmed the girl's teddy bear appearing to sit up before slowly moving on top of the sleeping child. The night vision camera makes the clip reminiscent of Hollywood Scarefest paranormal activity. According to the person who posted it, the incident occurred somewhere in India before being picked up by the Chinese media. Commenters on YouTube were quick to brown the footage as fake and at times looked like it was created with stop motion, though it is not known who created the clip. I want to see Winnie the Pooh as a zombie film. Wouldn't that be great? Bits of Eeyore are already falling off and being held together with stitching, aren't they? Ew. Having said that, Zombie Pooh is probably not the first film you'd probably want to go and see no, in the cinema. No, and don't look it up online either. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the bathroom. I was once haunted by a watermelon in India. It gave me immediate dysentery. I spent two days reinserting my low intestinal tract with a shoehorn and if I had a had a gun I would have shot myself for the most painful experiences of my life are you suggesting that zombie poo is not a good film to be making no if you wish to see a phantom possessed Indian teddy bear delivered via China you can visit our Facebook site more questions than answers with Adrian Lee and I shall give myself a resounding two points Heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings I have have you ever had to do jury duty I've had a didgeridone does that help? <laughs> uh, a juror for a murder trial in Canada wrote to the judge after the victim's spirit appeared to her. <laughs> really? This is standing up in a court of law, is it? Yes, yes. In a letter sent to Justice Glenn Pullman of the Court of Queen's Bench, the unnamed juror asked to be dismissed from the Lucas Strasser Heard homicide trial because she claimed that the victim's ghost had appeared to her with information that she believed would compromise her neutrality. Isn't this one of the reasons ghosts appear? Because they're pointing a finger. To get people out of jury duty. That's right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't encourage her. You're just enabling this. You have to put up with this. Uh, What she said was, I have a gift of being an intuitive and medium, she wrote. I can describe it as the ability to see, hear, feel, sense those that have died or whom are about to be born. Now, I've never heard of that. Have you ever sensed anybody about to be born? I'm very, very bad at predicting the sex of a baby. Yes, you are. I've got a 50% chance of getting this right, even if I'm not psychic, right? And... If it's a boy, I will say girl. If it's a girl, I'll say boy. It's ridiculous. I was three for three, actually. Really? Three, three for three? Via the I Ching, yes. 
<laughs> well, I stand now corrected. Now we know in where your, to go. <laughs> I, I stand corrected in these orthopedic shoes. <laughs> she said last night the deceased presented himself to me and made me feel what he went through as he was being killed, the intensity of his injuries, and the location of his wounds. In a letter, she went on to explain that she was not asking the judge to believe in the paranormal but had felt it necessary to express how this experience had affected her mentally and physically. So basically, they think you're mentally ill, so you get out of doing jury duties. Yeah, that's how it works. It was, and has never been, my intention to retract my ability to fulfill the juror role or come into court with a bias. But at this point, I feel I can no longer act as a member of this jury fairly, she wrote. And following a counsel consultation... Pullman agreed and opted to excuse her from jury duty. So the next time you have to go into court, say you you saw a ghost. You saw a ghost. The judge will say, you're mentally ill. (laughs) Don't bother coming in. Go back to work. That's right. Now, bug off. Everyone's going to be doing that now. You've let the cat out the bag. I did. Every single person is now sitting there thinking, it was my secret weapon. I can get out of jury duty. And they can blame you. Mm -hmm. It's a shocking state of affairs. I shall give you a handsome one point. On a trip to the playground with kids, a dad was left too scared to leave his car after spotting something mysterious. Despite the fact that the park was completely deserted, a swing began moving around erratically. Scotty Denton immediately took to Facebook to capture the spooky moment in a live broadcast. He explained to his viewers, We're in the playground and the kids don't want to go anymore because look at this. This is real. Look at this. There's nobody on it. There's no wind. Looking out from the comfort of the car, one of the kids attempts to come up with a rational explanation for the playground. As Scotty says, look at the other swings. They aren't even moving. The little boy suggests maybe somebody's pushing it. Chillingly, the playground feature continues to move around for two minutes and the motion of the swing even seems to speed up. After Scotty Denton made the baffling broadcast public a week ago, it's been viewed a staggering 4.3 million times. The majority of commentators agree that the footage was freaky and crazy. One of Scotty's local friends even piped up that they'd experienced something similar at that particular playground. They confess we drive by it all the time. That thing is always going crazy. It would make sense, wouldn't it, that dead children would hang out in a playground. Who's pushing? Who's pushing? (laughs) Dead grandpa, I'm guessing, at that point. The thing is, you can't push a ghost. If there's a ghost on a swing and you go to push it, your hand's going to go through it. There's going to be no sense of physicality there, isn't there? It's very Dickensian, isn't it? Could a haunted swing rattle its chains? Do you see where we are? This could be the ghost of playground past. This is Dickensian. Haunted playgrounds. If I was a kid and I died in spirit, I'd be hanging out. In the same way that if I died now, I'd be hanging out in Hooters. Do you see? You know, it's all about perspectives, isn't it? Great. I will give myself points. I am now on a hefty four and I've ran into an amazing lead. Bob, what have you got for us tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? I can't read as well as you, so I'm a little embarrassed. But don't let that stop you if you're an author. (laughs) A photograph taken of workers at a linen mill over a century ago appears to contain an unexpected extra. The picture has been placed online as part of the historical gallery at Belfast Live, which is a website. When one internet user wrote in to reveal that there was something amiss in the picture. Great to see an old photo of my granny in the bygone years. 
When she worked at the mill, she wrote, she was Ellen Donnelly, and she is the fourth person on the right in the second row. My dad has this photo at home, a family ghost picture. I don't really believe in ghosts, but there's always been a few odd goings on around this photo, so I hope this doesn't cause any more. Did anyone spot the mysterious hand on the girl's right shoulder? Sure enough, the second girl sat down on the right of the picture appears to have someone else's hand placed on her right shoulder, despite the fact that the girl behind her has her arms folded. Is it a ghost? Nobody knows. However, it's certainly creepy and does seem to defy explanation. Have you seen this photograph, Heather? No. There's two, there's a couple sat together and one of them's got their arms folded Uh and there's a creepy hand just appearing on the woman's shoulder. Is it reaching downward? <laughs> it's just there. Is it reaching down? Sir, I say, sir. It wasn't in the cinema. I know what you used to get up to in the cinema in the 1980s. But this picture is available. If people go to our Facebook site, I will post this. Regularly on the show, we get photographs sent in. And we put them on our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. And you get strange anomalies. It's like people's heads appearing. And do you know in the good old days, when you used to have a camera, an SLR camera with film in it, and you could do a double exposure... Really oddly, I've actually seen that happen with digital photography. I don't know what takes place. There's so much that can go amiss now electronically when you take a photograph with a digital camera, but I've actually seen two photographs overlapping one another on a digital camera, and you would think that would be impossible, wouldn't you? You'd think that couldn't happen with digital photography. There's many strange things that happen with photographs that can't be explained. There's a laser People say to me, what's this strange blue light in the middle of my photograph? Is this an orb? Is this a ghostly spirit? But when you take a photograph, a laser shoots out of the camera to judge the focal length. So what some people get is the length of the laser coming back to them in a blue dot. And it's not a ghost or an apparition. It's the focal length of the camera. I actually witnessed on one occasion someone taking a photograph next to a car and all the doors and the hood and the bonnet what do you say the trunk all flew open <laughs> like a clown's car those darn so cars was, wearing bonnets i know it's terrible that's what we call it in britain isn't it it's the bonnet of the car you call it the hood what's the difference well they're both it's both headwear is where we're going right <laughs> the boot makes perfect sense because you used to put your boots in it when it was a horse and carriage there'd be a trunk at the back and you'd stick your boots in them wouldn't you in a trunk yes like oh a, i see what you've done there. yeah uh-huh you were doing so well. I You're know, back on whatever. zero, minus one. <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> but I've seen digital photographs do all manner of strange and wondrous things. That brings to an end the round. That is Ghosts and Hauntings. I'm our runaway leader on four points. Heather is back on zero. Bob scored two. And he's level with Jonas and Michelle. This is the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's the stories from around the world that are hairy beasties and green men. Dinosaurs were killed off by a one-two punch of twin disasters. Not a single catastrophe, scientists claim. Evidence of ancient climate change suggests the creatures were first weakened by massive volcanic eruptions and then finished off by a giant meteor smashing into the earth 150,000 years later. So this is a double whammy, but with 150 thousand years between each one when i started reading that i'm thinking well it's going to be 20 minutes between both right right it's nice 150,000 years serious their double whammy has that length apart two events led to a mass extinction 66 million years ago that wiped out all the dinosaurs apart from those that later evolved into birds 
In total, roughly three quarters of the Earth's plant and animal species just disappeared. Scientists have debated the cause of the disaster at the end of the Cretaceous <laughs> period. Nothing funnier than the word Cretaceous, is there? Many believe a six-mile-wide asteroid or comet striking the Earth off the coast of Yucatan, Mexico, was responsible. Others have pointed to a series of powerful volcanic eruptions in India that poured sulfurous gas into the atmosphere, poisoning the air and oceans, and altering the climate, just like a haunted bathroom. New evidence supports a third theory. We used to have to go in after my dad with a canary. New evidence supports a third theory that both events were to blame. Lead scientist Dr. Sierra Peterson from the University of Michigan said, We find that the end Cretaceous mass extinction was caused by a combination of the volcanism and meteorite impact delivering a theoretical one-two punch. Do you think there was two dinosaurs and they're standing on the beach and they're looking up at the sky and they can see the meteor getting bigger and bigger coming towards them with a trail of fire behind it and one dinosaur says to the other one, now we get to be a non-renewable resource. Really? I love this show. I really? absolutely love this show. Heather, what have you got for me now in the round of cryptozoology and UFOs? Well, something interesting. Oh, oh, I say. <laughs> something new and different. Bob's jumping in as well. Just because you come from New Jersey. He's on. He's back to zero. I'm not oh having this. God. Heather's on minus two. You I, see how this works. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. Shocking footage reveals mythical worm beast. Mythical worm beast. Have you ever seen a mythical? No, don't what answer word? that. What, what websites? What websites have you been looking at this week? I'm not going to let you cheat. Purple worm. Purple worm. <laughs> Online footage reveals an icy shape slithering through Iceland's Lagerflut Lake. You're making this the up. direction of the water. That's no, dried fish. That's a dried fish dish. Lagerflut. Yes. I yes. can't bear it. It repeats on me something terrible. <laughs> it supposedly shows the Lagerflut worm, a mythical monster whose legend dates back to 1345 when it was believed to portend disaster the footage has re-emerged online just days after scientists warned iceland's hecla volcano nicknamed the gateway to hell might erupt at any moment so the gateway to hell we discover tonight is in iceland yes the highway to hell that's the last place i would have thought <laughs> the gateway to hell i've been to some places rome station springs to mind that was the gateway to hell i saw people taking clients into a photo booth to have their passport pictures taken and they were waiting rather hurriedly for their pictures to develop oh it was that is the gateway to hell is rome station there you go legend claims a monster was thrown into the lake in its infancy by a young girl who kept the creature but was scared by how fast it grew. Was you scared by how fast it grew? The worm? There you go. <laughs> You're Norwegian. You're used to such things. Some brave fins tried to finish the monster off, but only succeeded in anchoring it to the bottom of the lake where it remains or remained. A number of notable sightings of the beast have happened in the past century, but this footage might be the most important. It was reportedly filmed in 2012 by local... Oh, here we go. Yeah, an Icelandic name. Ready? Go on. Take Hjorter, a deep breath. Hjorter. 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 Before picking up... Oh, that was it, was it? Yeah, that was it. I was waiting for a genie to appear or something. <laughs> I was worried I was going to get phlegm on the microphone. <laughs> Too late for that. 
Uh, that was uh, before being picked up by the All Things Creepy YouTube channel last week. When it was first broadcast by an Icelandic TV station, skeptics said it was netting and trapped debris being dragged through the water. Don't you wish you were sitting in Iceland? You're sat there with your nachos. You've got the dog on your lap. They You're serve looking... those in Iceland? Apparently. Okay. Icelandic nachos. <laughs> <laughs> And you're watching film of a giant worm going through the water. This is entertainment in Iceland. Iceland's the only country where you can go to bed with your girlfriend, wake up in the morning and she's six months pregnant. True enough. <laughs> six months of darkness, Good six months of daylight. Does, you can't tell me I'm the only person who's thought of that. A 13-person panel of experts ruled in 2014 that the footage was genuine, though some say the ruling was simply an effort to drum up tourism. Finnish investigator (laughs) Misa McEwen said she was intrigued by the video, but believed that whatever it showed wasn't actually moving. Having compared the location of the supposed head and the rest of the body, she concluded it was just an object in the water so after all that story it's bunk there was an object in the water i'm not saying that who's gonna believe this misha chick giant worms you've been online searching for giant worms and i found a crypto story so you did which makes a change because normally (laughs) you're struggling to crowbar anything into this round anything now perhaps those dinosaurs i spoke about earlier have actually survived because they managed to get onto mars of all places oh boy these images taken from cameras on nasa's mars rover appear to show an odd shaped object on the surface and the dinosaur skull shaped item is causing excitement among fans of all things supernatural and paranormal marie who runs the youtube channel paranormal crucible with the tagline home of the bazaar posted the footage to her followers she said the artifact is definitely a creature's skull possibly a dinosaur or an equus ferus species that's a horse by the way i have pointed out areas like the mandible and the maxilla as well as six other points of reference this proves it's not a weird shaped rock I have not added anything to this image apart from colorization. It's all there in the raw. It's quite amazing. The raw image was taken from the mast cam of NASA's Curiosity rover. In the tribal wisdom of Dakota Sioux, if you discover you are riding a dead horse, the best strategy is to dismount. That sounds like your first marriage, doesn't it? (coughs) And the dead horse fell out (laughs) of the stable. Bob, what have you got for us tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Ghost fish spotted alive for the first time. There's an oxymoron <laughs> straight off the ghost fish spotted alive. That's like slightly pregnant or Dodge Ram or military intelligence. An oxymoron, yes. Scientists have filmed an extremely rare type of fish more than 2,500 feet below the surface of the sea. What does it taste like? Sushi. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm there with you. Captured on camera by the NOAA Oceanus Explorer during an expedition to the northern Mariana Islands, the eel-like fish is around 10 centimeters long and looks almost ethereal in its appearance. We're going to have to eat a lot of these, aren't we? If it's 10 centimeters long, we're going to have to eat a lot. It's not just like one big fish. It's like white bait. We're going to have to eat a lot of those. Do you kill a ghost fish? Do you cook a ghost fish? There's more questions than answers on this show. 
I'm sure there is. I know, there is. You see, you're getting the hang of things. You're on no points at the moment. Keep going. (laughs) I'm sure that this is an ethnoid, and I'm sure that this is the first time a fish of this family has ever been seen alive, said Dr. Bruce Mundy. He can now call that the Bruce fish. If this is the first time they've ever found a fish, that Mr. Bruce... How about the Mundy? Well, that could work as well. The Mundy fish. The Mundy fish, yes. What about Tuesday? I knew that was there. I just know, I know, I know how your brain works. That was it's a hanging only... curveball. <laughs> it was. You failed to remember that it's only fish on Friday. <laughs> terrible. I'm just not fast enough. <laughs> that's this... why you're on no points, sir. Yeah, that's right. This is really an unusual sighting, he said. This discovery was made as part of an ongoing endeavor to learn as much as possible about the extreme depths of the world's oceans where countless of unidentified species live out their lives in secluded habitats, often that seem as alien as some of the environments found on this planet. It is true that every time we discover a new species on this show, I mean, I'm not us personally. I'm not down there with a snorkel looking around for ghost fish. Certainly not at 2,500 feet. I I want to... Yeah, I can't hold my breath for that long. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just wondering what they taste like. Well, one thing is certain. This was indeed an exciting find that highlights once again how much we still have to learn about our vast and unexplored ocean. I think only 5% of the ocean has actually been explored. The trouble is that the water's moving all the time. So you look at one piece of water, you turn away, you come back again, and the water you was looking at's moved on. So it's continually starting again. That's why only 5%'s been looked at. And that's the water that's static and not moving around. Well, Heraclitus said it best. You can't step in the same stream twice. Fantastic. You shall have points. I like that. This is how the show works. You shall go up to four points. We move into the round that is strange and bizarre. It's the stories from around the world of the too strange and too bizarre. Not to read out live on air, but are too good not to include on the show and don't fit into any other category. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? You are currently on minus two. Guess what? You've got a story about a willy. That's the last segment. Okay, that's the last segment. I told you I was psychic, didn't I? Well, if there are some lovely ladies out there and they have no groom, guess what? Vancouver Business Plans Weddings for Solo Brides. Planning weddings Yep. for solo brides. Yep, they're going to marry themselves. They're going to marry themselves. Themselves. That's very similar to what Nathan does every night. Controversial. Vancouver has been described as one of the most difficult places to meet a significant other. So if you're single, why not marry yourself? Marry Yourself Vancouver is the new wedding planning and consultation service for solo brides looking to get hitched. Well, let's think about that. You can get the ring you want and the dress you you want. You could not have sex with yourself. You could not make your own dinner. What time do you call this? You come in all hours of the day How and night. How do you night. divorce yourself? You treat the, this is where we're going. That's where I'm slowly getting to. How do you take to. half? How do you take half? <laughs> just, Maybe they're schizophrenic. That is true. That yes. is true. <laughs> Bob was told he was a paranoid schizophrenic. The doctor never actually said that, but that's what he was thinking. <laughs> Founder Alexandra Gill says it's not a legally binding marriage, really but rather symbolic to celebrate independence and commitment to oneself. I'm does your sister, to myself. Does your sister oh, know about no. this? 
launched last week, she already has her first client. We've had one woman approach us. She hopes to have a ceremony in August with maybe some lilies and some chocolate cake. And Look, someone's bought me a waffle maker. Hurrah! <laughs> yeah, do you get wedding presents for oneself? Of course you do. There's yes. just going to be one figure sat on top of the wedding cake. Congratulations, Bob. Can you imagine? <laughs> You're dancing with yourself. Dancing with yourself. Dancing with myself. Billy Idol. Yeah. Dancing with yourself at the wedding. Yes. I was just how, how to have your first dance with yourself? How do you constipate the marriage? That oh, would be difficult. Who takes off the garter? I don't know. You'd have conger eel rights, wouldn't you? You'd have to do something conger to Conger eel? I, think, I believe that's what it's called, but I'm not a legal expert. It's all the fishy <laughs> stories. It's getting me confused. Well, uh, what she actually said is she hopes to have the ceremony in August, so we will be meeting with her soon and talking about her different desires and helping her put it together. What if the two sets of parents don't get on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could happen. That, that could, could happen. happen. Last month, Gil and six other friends renewed their vows... A decade after marrying themselves. That's Isn't that nice? Ridiculous. Da, da, Doesn't da, that da, suggest... Da. I know some people that would probably marry themselves in terms of ego. <laughs> I, I could give you a list of names right now. Yeah, That's I know. terrible. You'd have to get your arm, wouldn't you, and shave all the hairs off of it and put some lipstick around your hand. How do you kiss the bride? How do you kiss the bride? You take like some this? ribs out. Oh, I see what ah. you've done. You've kissed yourself, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for you. You should get points wherever you go. I'll give you two and that brings you back up to zero. How does that sound? Perfect. That works. I have a story that says renowned astrophysicist Neil deGasse Tyson has sensationally remarked that he doesn't fear our destruction at the hands of super intelligent aliens because we might already be secretly conquered by them. That would explain Trump, wouldn't it? That would go a long way. (laughs) The American scientist said he was sceptical that humans would ever be able to make contact with extraterrestrial life, but admitted there was a possibility aliens had already discovered us. But he went on to claim that humans could be part of an alien zoo, with our space overlords inflicting weird politics such as Brexit and the American election onto us to provide themselves with entertainment. I told you that was true. This guy now claims that aliens have given us Trump and Clinton and they're just watching to see our reaction to them. So it's we're comedy. An episode, we're an episode of Friends. Yes, this is a giant... Oh, don't go down that road. <laughs> this is a giant big brother. They're watching us for their own entertainment, I tell you. Great, they're I'm watching us. moon them tonight. I know, I, I now know. <laughs> After three years, they'll think to themselves, there's somewhere to park the UFO. And there's a long walk to the restroom. You are so lucky you're so far away. <laughs> and you're back on minus two. See how this goes backwards and forwards. Isn't that a joy? I now know why I've been having you sit opposite me for three years. Some alien thinks this is funny. There's some sick people out there, I tell you. Fellow physicist Stephen Hawkins has previously expressed his belief that our planet may be at a risk of destruction at the hands of a more advanced alien civilization. DeGrice Tyson seems to think that we simply wouldn't be worth the hassle. He added in the same way as when you're walking down a street in Iceland and there's a worm on the floor. (laughs) It's true. I'm actually reading this out. A lager flu. He says that aliens aren't interested in us in the same way that when we walk down the street and we see a worm on the floor, we don't engage with it. It's a pointless exercise. And even if you wanted to kill all the worms, he continued, you'd soon get bored and do something else. Move on to snails. 
no doubt would be the way to go. Or zap horses. There's a horse minding its own business. His name's Colin. It's in a field. It's chewing grass. It's looking around. There's birds twittering in the trees. It's thinking, oh, I wonder if I'll get a ride today. I wonder if I need to do some ploughing. Zap. He's suddenly on Mars. Minding his own business, he's on Mars, and then they find his skull. It's a terrible to-do for horses out there. Bob, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Man blows his hands off with fireworks. That's not so funny after the joke I made. (laughs) See, you do this to me every time. I tell a joke. Half an hour later, there's a story about it, and I look bad. I suddenly look like I don't care, and I have no heart. Can we get a minus one on that? We can't give him a hand. Oh, I see what you've done there. That's terrible. (laughs) The worst thing about this is he can't operate his digital watch anymore. The whole world's coming to an end. How well, he you... got it back. He got it, it back. Was, it was returned by a dog. It was oh, jeez. <laughs> the story is that this past Thursday, about three thirty p.m. in Chicago, in the Portage Park neighborhood, a man employed as a barber, no less, blew his hands off by himself because of his fireworks. <laughs> Neighbors heard the bang, and then an excruciating scream came from the alleyway. That's when thirty-nine-year-old Rafet. CG realized he was missing his hand. So he needed to go to the second hand shop then, That's I'm That's when he realized? <laughs> yes. Oh, I missed I'm, it. I'm on oh. fire. You're not on fire. I'm on fire. I'm I remember looking fire. at my hand and there was no hand there, he said. No fingers, <laughs> no nothing, he said. According to Shahi's neighbor, Sherry Stygard, it was the most terrifying scream. And you know when you hear something like that, something bad has happened. Oh, yes. You know it. <laughs> Paramedics arrived and were able to locate two missing fingers and get them on ice. They didn't have very much luck finding the rest. That is until Steigard's dog discovered them. Three hours later, I let my dog out of the yard and she comes back trotting with something in her mouth, she said. Oh! I actually realized before picking it up that it was part of a man's hand. Didn't cheer it too much. It had flown across the street and into our yard, she said. Wouldn't you then play practical jokes for the next hour? You'd chase people around with it, you'd stick it in a box, you'd scare women by putting it under the cubicle in the bathroom. I mean, there's a whole plethora of things you could then do at that point. Dogs eat finger food? Oh, that's... Not this dog. This dog was a hero (laughs) because the man might actually recover the use of some of his hand. Putting out a warning to anyone that is planning... On setting off fireworks in the future. I tell people to be careful, he said. In 2014, the Chicago police said they saw 45 fireworks accidents. And in 2015, the number was down to 25. Only because someone had an eyeball out and they couldn't count them properly. Yeah. (laughs) Regardless, many areas have rules and regulations surrounding fireworks and their use. Please be sure to ensure safety of you and your loved ones, especially dogs, and follow all the laws and regulations. There's always all someone on YouTube, isn't there, that's put one down their pants. I mean, you can lay money on it, can't you? I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I posted I one the other on day. my site. You posted one. The guy's running around, isn't there, with these bits on fire. A Roman candle, right? Yeah. That go. one, I saw that one. Yeah. yeah. And then it what blew up idiot. in his face. My favorite part was when he crawled on the grass like a little turtle. Trying to, yes, <laughs> because he's trying to put the flames out. That's why. It was a bushfire. He had a flame grilled. <laughs> no, it was a man, not a woman. <laughs> flame grilled whopper. That's terrible. Stunned members of the public have been calling police to report a severed hand floating in a stretch of the city centre canal in England. But when callers took a second look, they realised the hand near Dulcie Street in Manchester was actually a glove. 
The mortified caller quickly spoke to Greater Manchester Police again to inform them of their mistake. A message from the GMP City Centre Twitter account said, Thankfully, person who reported severed hand in Canal Dulcie Street quickly ran back to say it's okay, it's just a glove. No arm. Done. The embarrassed caller later revealed herself and posted an image of the glove with a message, In our defence, the glove did look particularly like a hand. Thanks, GMP, for being so cool about it. The incident sparked several jokes from members of the public, reports Manchester Evening News. Nathan Whittaker posted, How do they know there's no hand in the glove, though? It could be a Smiths-inspired act. Have you heard of the Smiths? Are the Smiths a common band over here? Morrissey, the Smiths? Yes. My jokes are falling on deaf ears. I'm on fire over here and you're just not getting it due to cultural references. What? What would you like to say, Bob? You need the points. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that story reminds me of an old Jewish joke. Guy goes to a doctor. He says, doctor, doctor, I have this terrible problem. Doctor goes, what's wrong? He says, I have five penises. Five penises, says the doctor. How do your pants fit? He goes, like a glove. (laughs) (laughs) I love this joke. You're now on five points and you've got into a very late lead, sir. GMP City Centre responded, they checked, so we're happy that it was really nothing. I used to go kayaking many years ago in the River Thames. I come from London. You could kayak around the docks, the Victorian Albert docks, all the deep water docks. They're disused now. People don't use them. There's not been any heavy shipping there since the 1950s. But they have all the cranes, all the warehouses, all the docks, and I'd go canoeing through that. Do you remember the film Jaws? It was shown on British television, and there's a scene where an eyeball floats up and everyone jumps. Do you remember such a scene? I was canoeing with my sister. She's petrified of eyeballs, and an eyeball went floating past by her canoe she paddled so fast I could have done water skiing behind her she just left and it wasn't an eyeball after all it was a light bulb with a blue filament and the metal bit of the light bulb was just holding it below the water and it was just standing there and I got it on my paddle and I flicked it over to it it was very funny I laughed so hard a small amount of wee came out (laughs) we now move into the final round of the evening it is the round called not for your mother it is the round where if your mother is of a very delicate disposition she needs to be removed from the room if she's easily offended if there's any minors they also need to be shuffled out and have milk and coffees it's the stories from around the world that are laden with sexual innuendo miss morris what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother i have a suspect in the feces flinging attack says god did it it's the return of the phantom turtler I love that. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the entire show. Viewers don't realize that I have to get a cocoa can and I talk into the cocoa can. You're twiddling with knobs. What are you doing now? My old mannered Mr. Smith is just a normal janitor, but at night he drives a black Norton and becomes the phantom turtler. I have no evidence to back that up. I can't, I have no idea who he is. This better be a good story. I've just spent oh, three I minutes. Have- introducing it you just like playing with the knobs i do it's gonna make my eyesight go bad <laughs> i'm gonna if i commit i'm gonna have to end up marrying myself oh god you have to ask yourself first i might say no i might play hard to get i'm an old-fashioned kind of guy i want a trip to the cinema and a decent meal out this is where i am i'm not gonna say to it yes to any old tom dick and harry who happens to come along a man accused 
of using feces to attack two women on the Upper East Side. To attack or to attract women? Attack. Oh, attack. I thought he was in, like, Central Park. He's not attracting them by poo. I've seen gorillas do it. I'm just saying, I've been to the zoo. (laughs) Feces. You have not seen. All around, I have. Well, that's why they have glass cages these days. This is true. Oh, why? Because they're hoping to. I thought this was a dating site called Plenty More Feces in the Sea. What? I did. What is I wrong thought. with you? <laughs> do you present the feces at the beginning of the date or do you leave it to the end? That's always the dilemma, isn't it? I never know whether to present it at the beginning or, or see do you how... save it and bring it with you in a nice bouquet. Yes, oh, in the taxi on the way out. Hope yeah. I can see you again. There's something to take with you. Save the best for last. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I bought you a payday. There's not many things in life that are salty oh, and sweet boy. at the same time, are there? Well, he said that God was responsible for the disgusting assaults. God? Yes. Equin Hill, 42, told throngs of reporters Friday when asked if he'd thrown feces on the women that God did it. God was unavailable to comment. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't show up at that trial a few weeks back. What if he's got a court subpoena? That's just painful. I can't (laughs) not in these trousers. Hill is accused of throwing feces in the face of a 33-year-old woman as she was walking along the East 91st Street at about 2.25 p.m. <laughs> I can see it now. Do you take a run-up or is it just casual flick? Or if you run up first, is it like a custard pie? You're minding your own business. Was it underhand or overhand? Well, see, these are the questions we need to Did answer. Did you need two hands? <laughs> Depends what he's been eating. <laughs> Later that day, so he must have had stored it a while. Two in one day. At about 6 p.m., he allegedly followed a 27-year-old woman on East 74th Street, snuck up behind her, pulled at her waistband, and then rubbed poo onto her butt and ran away. That's actually that's actually quite funny, actually. Is that, is that his own? Or is it someone else's? I don't know. Okay. I didn't ask him. There are it? more questions than answers. I tried the jail and they just wouldn't let me through. That's shocking. <laughs> the second assault was actually caught on surveillance camera, so there's probably a YouTube video out to there. To be fair, the first woman said it's the best her skin's ever been. It's now soft and she's got a glowing complexion. Oh, no. Hill faces a charge of assault and forcible touching in the cases. Why the filth? It's a Farrakhan thing. What does that mean? I have absolutely no idea. You're reading the story. Who is Farrakhan? Well, this is what Mr. This reminds me. Weren't we supposed to replace you on last week's episode with a cucumber? Did we not say... You said you were going to replace me with a pickle. That was it. It was a pickle. A sewer pickle. Yeah, we were going to replace Heather on last week's show and I was going to do rapping. Do you remember? The deal yeah. was, I would do rapping, and we would replace you with a pickle. Do you not remember? Don't you wish you yes. were on last week's show now? Yeah. yeah. Nathan's remembering this, and he's an attorney. That's the law. Well, I didn't have to show up tonight. I'm glad you did. I didn't have to you rap. See? Don't listen to him. I'm yeah. not going to rap. Yeah, don't rap, please. The shocking crimes left many residents in the Upper East Side neighborhood feeling uneasy, or maybe feeling a little pooey. It's the Phantom Turtler. This is what's happening. He's running amok in the streets. God, if you haven't been listening, is the Phantom Turtler. Oh, there was a turn up for the books. <laughs> I never saw that coming. I have to say, hand on heart, I didn't think for one moment the Phantom Turtler would turn out to be God. Who so knew? Who is the Phantom Turtler? God, God is the Phantom <laughs> like do that again. Nathan, this is God. I am the Phantom Turtler. I know what you do late at night.
I love this show. <laughs> How much fun can you have? I just want to do the entire show with that voice would just be a joy. When it gives me a sense of power. I can feel it rising <laughs> up. It's a joy. The immense popularity of virtual reality pornography in Japan led the country's first ever VR porn festival to be cancelled last month amid crowd trouble. The adult VR Fest 01 showcased the latest developments in VR pornography, including a variety of terrifying looking VR sex accessories. The event took place in Tokyo and was reported on by a Japanese blogger. From a translation of the blog, it is understood that only a few lucky punters managed to gain access before the police acted to disperse the enormous crowd. What did you just call them? Lucky punters? Lucky punters managed to gain access. <laughs> You're trying to get me removed from the show, aren't you? Before the police acted to disperse the enormous crowd of sweaty-palmed porn fans. Have you ever punted? Not recently. What is a punter? What is a punter? <laughs> I can Read between the lines, Bob. I can still get deported. The guy who kicks a football on fourth down? Yeah, you've got it. That's the one. <laughs> I know all the jargon. I just haven't seen it. <laughs> I know very little about football. I've not even seen a home run. <laughs> I like, hence the song, I'm Turning Japanese. Do you remember that by the Vapors? Yeah, it's yes. my favourite. That's a joy, isn't it? The authorities were forced to act to end the festival prematurely because of concerns that the overexcited mob might work themselves into a riotous frenzy. So it came to a premature end? I do want to emphasise the word in that sentence, that is riotous. <laughs> Festival staff were seen in tears following the police action. Yes, I'm sure they've got tears running down their legs. The blogger managed to snap a few pics of the VR smut fans trying out the new cutting-edge sex technology. This included the early adopters interacting with machines designed to simulate the feeling of coitus with another human being whilst using a VR headset. We've actually been... Is it better buy in this country? Best Buy. Best Buy. I yes. get confused. There's a fabulous gadget where you can strap it onto your head mm -hmm. and you put your phone. Is it? It's a Samsung Galaxy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And everything suddenly turns 3D. It's like you're in a whole new world. You walk around. There's people wandering around this shop. Can you imagine you're in Best Buy and all of a sudden you start practicing the physical arts and you're at it like a monkey? But I don't think they allow that. Well, you keep the guy distracted. I'm only going to need five minutes. We'll be fine. Five? five? That's twice with a cigarette break, madam. Don't worry if you miss the festival. Robot sex fans will be able to check out all the new VR porn gadgetry at Adult VR Fest 02, scheduled for August. We need to get over to Tokyo and try that out for our listeners, don't we? You will need a ticket for that one, though, and probably some wet wipes. Oh... And if you miss that chance, you can take your vacuum cleaner out to a nice expensive restaurant and then the cinema. Bob, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Well, turns out that a 41-year-old Croatian was stuck, struck by lightning and in a stroke of luck... A stroke of luck. A this stroke? is a stroke. This, a I, stroke I know. Before, of luck. before oh, I'm you. I'm sorry. There was a comma there. Before you. <laughs> there was a comma. Before you. Did you see the fact that he didn't split his claws into two separate? No. <laughs> I know this is going to be bad. I just know this is going to end poorly. We're Go gonna on. Wince. Okay, so he was struck by lightning, but in a stroke of luck. Stroke of luck. Couldn't be luckier. 
Yes, his penis miraculously grounded him <laughs> and saved his life. <laughs> You're and not coming out of your room for five weeks. The thing is that I almost want to meet this guy now because for his penis to have grounded him, it needs to be touching the ground. So where, what this guy must be dragging along the ground. He must be in touch with the I'd world. like to meet you him know, first. You know what? His name's not Rod, is it, by any chance? It was, um, and it wasn't Wong Hong Lo either. No. It was Zorin Jerkovich. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Jerkovich was hit by lightning, but saved by his penis when the charge traveled through his earphones and into his junk. <laughs> into w- his junk? Would you ever refer to your penis as junk? I, I would you never- have done. I'm not putting earbuds in there. I'm telling you that straight off the bat. I'm not listening to the sounds of that. When have I referred to my business as junk? When What episode was that? Where was I when that took place? Oh, I, I just... I don't understand how that happens. It must... How does it go from your earphones all the way down? And how's well, he it, lucky? It, it, it skipped his chest and it saved his life. It's like a stick of charcoal. Now he can do That drawings. must be really big if it just kind of bypassed his chest. I know. <laughs> Charcoal. When found, he was sitting in the rain, and folks said he was giving off steam. (laughs) (laughs) The Mail Online reports that medics branded it a miracle, that the charge missed his heart. He was wearing thick rubber boots so that the charge couldn't exit through his feet, and under normal circumstances would have decimated his internal organs. I wonder if there was a vein. See what I've done there? Lightning vein. Well... Oh, yeah, see what happened yeah. there? Yeah, I'm, I'm on fire. This is You're on something. I want to know how he's described as being lucky when he has lightning discharging through his twig and berries. How's that lucky? He's going to end up with a stick of charcoal. I bet he's got a big sketch pad now and he just moves the sketch pad around and he's doing drawings. <laughs> he's scaring kids at parties. We'll get Coco the Clown in. He does drawings with charcoal. It's fabulous. And there's kids screaming all because he got hit by lightning. It's a terrible to do. Terrible to do. You want to meet this guy, don't you? I do. I can see it. Yes. Can you imagine to- seeing smoke coming out of it? I'd say, quick, hurry up! Before it goes away. <laughs> Jeez. Have you got one more story for me, madam? In the round of not for your mother. You can I see why do. this is not for your mother, can't you? I do. A man is accused of stealing a mannequin from the Hustler Hollywood store in downtown Nashville and bringing it home with them. He stole a mannequin. He stole it. On the 4th of July. Freedom! Freedom. Independence Day. (laughs) I'll shack up with a mannequin. This entire episode has been about... Worms. Worms, marrying yourself, lightning bolts. See where I've been. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. See where we are. The store's assistant manager said she saw a man come into the store just after midnight on the 4th of July and take the mannequin into the parking lot. While the man was taking the mannequin, he knocked off its left arm... Uh-oh. It wasn't fireworks, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Which he left behind at the store, according to the police report. So it was a one-armed Armed. mannequin. The one-armed bandit. Oh, That's where I was going. Yeah, I've nice. seen the fugitive. Yeah. <laughs> His name wasn't Hands by any chance. Well, was it? it was a female mannequin. So. Yes, the guy that stole the mannequin. Oh, I see. It didn't give his oh, name. Okay. Oh, wait. Maybe it does. I don't know. Is it Hands? No. Let's say it is. And I'm okay. right, and I'll okay. give myself points. Thank you. No, thank you. The assistant no, manager said she walked outside and actually started arguing with the suspect, 
who was later identified as not Hands, but Christopher Wade. For Whose seven. friends call Hands. <laughs> Do you know how expensive mannequins are? When I used to be president I will tell you, of a historical society, they wanted mannequins to display their warm military uniforms. And they were so expensive, they couldn't afford them. We had to go and ask if they would actually if give us... If people would donate. go and stay yeah, and, go and stand s- there steal, for a half hour. Go and hour. steal their mannequins. <laughs> Or they could just <laughs> employ the Vikings defensive unit. Ooh. See what oh, I did there? That, I do, that's I do. Satire, that is. We are experimenting with satire. You're experimenting. Well, anyway, this um Mr. Wade Hands. actually <laughs> Mr. Wave. Wade. Okay. Uh he actually put the mannequin in his truck bed and then he took off. Police traced the car to a residence in Old Hickory. And Wade allowed them to enter the home. According to the police report, Wade was found in bed with the stolen mannequin. Isn't that nice? She's got to be kind of stiff, though. Maybe it reminded him of his ex-wife. You could go and choose the one. You could choose the one you wanted, though. To be fair, with the squishy parts, you could walk around and think, "Nope, I don't want the brunette. I don't want the. I don't want the graduated bob." Oh, you know, he probably have more luck with the blow-up doll. Yeah, I think so. That store mannequin. Well, the store reports that the mannequin was actually worth five big ones. Told you. They're so expensive. five grand. Yeah, these are expensive things. And that's not including the clothing that he also stole oh, that no. she was wearing. <laughs> He's 55 and he was charged with theft of property. So Mr. Wade steals a mannequin in her lingerie. In her lingerie. In her lingerie. And he went to bed with it. And the police found him in bed. How can... What What would you like described for our listeners live on air? What would you like... Explain to me, as a man, how you could sleep with a mannequin. I suspect it's just to have company, isn't it? It's to be able to turn around to the person next to you and say, I'd like a cup of tea and a sandwich, please. And she doesn't make it? I think you could probably, you know, let off gaseous admissions and she wouldn't say a word. She wouldn't say a single thing. You so could do, so you, you could be comfortable. Yeah, you can cut your toenails in bed. You can read cut your the cheese. adult magazines. You can fart to your heart's content. You can watch NASCAR on the television. Not or, just NASCAR. Or you could just flush some Skittles in a toilet and pull the chain and watch the colours go round. Either way. But ultimately, <laughs> she's not going to complain. There's no complaining going on there. It's the ideal partner in many respects, isn't it? One up from marrying yourself. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery. It's Heather, who scored minus two. Unfair. I scored Jonas has got two. Michelle has got two. I have four. And Bob is tonight's resplendent first place winner. And he will take away with him the $33,000 IR camera. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we'll attack him in the car park and get it back. Do not fear, listeners. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee or you can join and follow my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember we now do an extra 15 to 20 minutes of the show in a round called not for your mother that we can't read out live on air for fear of being removed or getting a very hefty fine you can find that on our archives if you go to soundcloud.com and type in mq 
TA Radio, everything will be there for you. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society in Paranormal.net and Bob Gilbert, of course. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group of MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Thank you.